Welcome to Infinitely Prefer a Book, Season 1, Episode 1. Today I'm talking with my friend Brianna. We'll be catching up with each other and discussing the book, The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Welcome, Brianna, to our this podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Catherine. I'm so excited to be your very first guest on your podcast. Awesome. Do you want to give your, our listeners a little bit of introduction about yourself? Um, just how did we meet? How What do you do now? Um, that kind of a thing. Okay. It's a loaded question. I'll try to be brief. <laughs> so my name is Brianna and I met Catherine when I worked at a hospital in St. Louis, Missouri. Catherine um, was always like, she was actually, I, I got to know her because we had to do this thing where we went to the Capitol and essentially begged people to vote the, in our favor. <laughs> I didn't really like that very much, but I got to know her on that trip. And then we just grew in our friendship from there. But the funny thing is Catherine, I don't think she actually wanted to be friends with me, but I liked oh, her so much. True. <laughs> <laughs> not that she didn't want, not that you didn't want to be friends with me, but I don't think she wanted to make a new friend. I don't know. Anyway, I eventually wore her down and she's one of my best friends now. She helped me plan my wedding, which I planned in 20 days. So I'm very grateful to her for that. And it was quick because I'm a military spouse. So if any of you are military spouses or you know somebody who's married to the military, you know that quick weddings are par for the course. So I got married really quickly. Um, I mean, we had been dating for a while, but it was kind of one of those situations where it's like, you got to do this now. So we got married quickly. I've been married for almost four years now. And I live at Fort Bragg, which is like the most commonplace people are stationed. So you probably heard of that. Um, my husband's in the army. I was running a children's weight management program when I met Catherine. And then I sold life insurance when I got here, which was like the worst job. And then <laughs> I remember you telling I, me about that. <laughs> yeah, it was intense. And then I just quit my job working for a uh, customer service at a health insurance company. And now I am trying my hand at entrepreneurship and I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to start, well, I have a blog, but I'm growing my blog. It's called brightonbase.com. I will probably change the name soon, but that's what it's called right now. And it's about being a military spouse and also about, um, people who are going through transitions and kind of like that whole feeling where if you move somewhere, you kind of always think about what your life used to be like and you want that. So trying to bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. I like that. That's a great description of your blog. I've read um, a couple of your posts, at least probably over 10 or 12 of them. Um, and they're always really, really fun. I like your, your writing style is really funny and you're very witty. So I recommend oh, people look, checking out your blog because it's really fun. <laughs> I, appreciate I had forgotten that. about that. The trip to the state capitol was our first interaction together. Um, I forgot. Yeah, we were. That was such an interesting job. I really liked that job a lot. Um, but yeah, I for, had forgotten that time. I did not like that job. And the thing you about like that trip, <laughs> the thing about that trip was <laughs> I was so insecure as a young professional. It was weird to be 
we were lobbying, right? That's what we were doing. Yeah, right? essentially. So it was like weird to be trying to get people to like me or do what we wanted. Um, but one thing that I did come away with from that that uh, trip, which also is really useful tip for your listeners, is um, Catherine introduced me to the Overdrive app, which is a mobile app that you can connect to your library with and download digital either audiobooks or um, ebooks to your phone or mobile device. So that's I I actually use Audible a lot in this book that we we're talking about today. I listen to, but Overdrive is an excellent resource, and I'd recommend it for anybody who likes to use um, digital books. Yeah, that's. Um, I remember you telling me one time that. I had introduced you to the world of audiobooks and I was like, Oh, I'd forgotten that I even mentioned that. Cause I, I, the overdrive app, they actually made a new app too called Libby um, that I'm sure I'll talk about in future episodes is really been a lifesaver for me. I'm actually reading a book for one of my book clubs. Um, it's like a 700 page. Um, you know who you are, who chose this book. It's really long and it's really dry. And so I was starting to read it on like, I had bought the book cause I thought I would just, it would help me to have it physically in my hands. Mm-hmm. But I actually found that I had to download the audiobook on the li- in the library because I was getting bogged down in the words and I just needed somebody to read it to me and like yep. put it on and then I'll catch what I can catch out of it. But it's, it's really tough. And the book I'm reading for that is called behave. Um, I'm sure I'll post about it on Instagram or something, but um it's about like, it's like neuroscience. It's very interesting, but that kind of brought me to my next question about you is kind of maybe what is your reading life? Like, are you, it sounds, I, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I guess, cause I, I know you well enough. Um, but are you an ebook fan? Are you like a hard copy fan audiobook? Where do you go? Audio. And I've always loved reading. I've read a lot when I was a kid, but I cannot sit still. I have a thousand things on my mind. I'm always trying to do like five things at once, which I have learned is not the way to be productive. Um, But that does make me a great uh, customer for audiobooks or user for audiobooks. So I definitely prefer that, especially since I can uh, manipulate the speeds. So I'm the type of person that likes to do something with my hands and listen with my mind and that's going to help me stay focused as opposed to sitting down and reading. So do you like podcasts at all or do you mostly listen to books? I listen to a lot of podcasts. Actually, I'm in this weird season where I'm mostly listening to podcasts. I used to listen to at least a book a week, but I just haven't done that. Part of the reason is because my library card expired and the library is really far from my house. So... I just don't have that. Although I do have like four credits from Audible, um, which I think, I don't know if I ever determined if you were the one that gave me the gift card to Audible or not at my baby shower. But anyway, I still have like extra credits from that. So I'm just not in that space. I am physically reading books, but they're self-help books. Okay. Self-help. I'll say that correctly. Those those are good books too. Um, That's a book a week is a really fast pace to do that. Yeah. But remember I'm listening. Yeah. Well, that's good. How (laughs) do you decide to what to read next? Where do you get your recommendations from? Oh, that's a good question. 
I am a book by the cover type of person. And I know mm. that you're not supposed to judge a book by the cover, but I feel like I can judge a book by its cover. And Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone judges the book by its cover. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the I same do. time, I feel like that's one of the reasons I have not been reading as much because there are too many options. And I'm also a new mom. I have a seven-month-old. I feel like I'm making decisions all day. So I'm like, I don't have the faculties to decide which book to read. And I know that sounds stupid. But it's not. <laughs> it's just a lot on my plate sometimes. No, I totally. In fact, the, the boring book I was just telling, telling you about is all about the energy it takes to make decisions and stuff. So it's uh-huh. scientifically proven. So it's not a novel. Not a novel. It is. It is hardcore nonfiction. Um, and it's and I've I put the audiobook on like 1.5 times speed and I'm actually I mean this is how much it takes to read it I'm listening to it and I'm reading the book at the same time um not all the time like I'll I'll zone out a little bit just to listen but if I kind of like oh I need to hear that again I'll read it kind of while he's still talking so we'll see if I even make it through the the full (laughs) book before the end of the month when the the club is I might be like "Mm, sorry guys it'll be interesting I want to know um, who is the person that picks a nonfiction book <laughs> <laughs> there's a ton of people who only read nonfiction, and that is not me um but oh, this... you, you want to know my favorite nonfiction book it's I probably should find the name of it but it's an Oprah unauthorized biogra- biography of Oprah and it's okay. awesome it's very long and it's by someone named Kitty um, okay, but I really enjoy that. That's one of my favorite books. That sounds good. I like. I think biographies sometimes are better for me because I. What I think I like about a book is getting into the story and getting into the characters. And so when there's like a biography, usually has at least some people that you can identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this this the book club that I'm reading this behave book for. Um, one of the persons in the book club, I think she likes to read non, a lot of nonfiction simultaneously with fiction. And so she kind of always has one of both. And so it's been good because it's been pushing me to read things I don't normally read. But mm-hmm. um, we read The Gene for that earlier this year, which is another like 600 page, really dry book. And I was glad I read it because it was really good. But oh my goodness, it felt like a marathon to get through that. <laughs> it was It was a good information, but like Whew, it was it was like work. Wow. So. What's well, you don't need to tell me what's about. But actually, I just remembered that the one book club that I got to attend with you, the meeting uh, several years ago was. Um, That's right. That book by Sue Monk Kid. Yeah, can't be a, it was. What was it called? Oh, it's escaping me right now. It's not her. She wrote The Secret Life of Bees or something, but it wasn't that. That was uh-huh. a novel. This one was. Um, oh man, it's going to drive me crazy. Well, the thing is, I, I thought it was going to be fiction. So I was like, unpleasantly surprised, but I felt like that book was good for me. I thought that, um, it really introduced some new ideas to me. And now it really didn't help that we can't tell the readers what it is. So it's, I just looked it up because I had to find it. It was called Dance of the Dissident Daughter. And it's definitely like a feminist um, exploration of 
like the divine really I would say right um so it was yeah it was a really good book very interesting but I had forgotten that you came to um that book club I, I had chosen that book and I had it at my house and I think like two other people showed up and I can't remember if that book offended I think that book offended somebody and so really? they kind of left early wasn't it <laughs> I don't remember I don't know I just remember the um how I like couldn't finish the book and somebody was there and she was pregnant and those are like the only details I remember also I think after this book I started to call myself a feminist and like my brother does not understand that <laughs> um I should reread it now that I'm like an actual woman I'm like yeah well now that you you've know, like birthed Mary a child too I mean I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> All right. So are you ready to start talking about our book? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we'll remind the listeners that we are talking about The Great Alone by Chris and Hannah, and there will be full spoilers. So um, you have been warned. So I guess, what do you think, what were your first impressions or what were your general impressions of the book? Do you feel like? Oh my gosh. At first I was like, what book is this? Because it seemed... <laughs> It was, it was slow to start. It really was. Um, but, and then I was like, okay, the great alone, maybe she, maybe Catherine suggested this for me because I am typically a lonely person. Um, but the book certainly had very different themes than I expected. And overall, I think it was a good book. I definitely think it was real well written. And I think it was, uh, a, a very unique story. I'm glad I got to learn about Alaska. And I think it's important to learn about some of the situations that people find themselves in with domestic violence because it helps me to be able to relate to those people or understand them and potentially help them if I ever do encounter somebody in that situation. Yeah, I agree. Um, when I was kind of thinking about talking about this with you, one of the things is I've never experienced domestic violence myself, which I'm very thankful for, but I almost felt like I wasn't um, even qualified to talk about it. So it's interesting, you know, that we're kind of giving like an outside perspective, I guess, of domestic violence, but it was definitely very um, real and made it um, very, very intense and, you can really relate to the emotions that I think Lenny and Cora were having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were definitely in a a precarious spot because obviously they love their father and husband, but it was literally like a life and death situation. I thought that the story did meet that uh, statement because sometimes stories will say like that something's dangerous but you don't actually feel like it's dangerous or whatever the stake is that they claim but this Mm -hmm. one you could see that it was escalating and that it was likely or it was possible that he could eventually kill Cora and or Lenny so I definitely thought that um I thought that was an important piece of it because just like in real life, when people are in domestic violence, violent situations, first of all, they might not reveal that to you. You might not know. And then once you do know, they are, they may not want to leave immediately. And then it could, even if it starts off small, it can escalate to a point where they are in danger of their lives being taken by, taken 
by their abuser. So I thought the story was impactful to me based on that on its own. So one of the themes that I felt like was at the heart of this book was sort of the theme of hope and the idea that, um, you know, they really did truly love this person. I think sometimes um, people who've never experienced domestic violence are kind of like bewildered of why someone would even um, stay with someone who's abusive. But I think they're with that love that they, they felt, they feel this love toward this person, even though this person does not always behave appropriately. Um, I feel like there's always sort of this idea of hope. Well, I think Lenny kind of raised the question in the book, like, is hope really a good thing? What do you think about that? I don't, I don't remember that question, but I I can relate to you. Uh, I can relate to that sentiment, right? Like now that I'm almost 30, I can understand, I can look back on my life and see why that's an appropriate question to ask. This book, I can relate to this book in two ways. One was that um, when Lenny is getting when she's older and she's reconnected with Matthew and she's like making bad choices. I think that any of us who had a boyfriend in our teens, like that's kind of of that, that feeling of like having poor judgment because you're so into this person is Mm -hmm. common. Like we know what that's like. And then (laughs) I actually was in a situation in my senior college where my boyfriend was suicidal and mm-hmm. he, he became abusive. He didn't hurt me, but he was like emotionally abusive. So I, I kept thinking about that situation and thinking about how I, I, I felt like, okay, well, he's not well. So when he is well, then we'll be together. And I actually was, I guess I was thinking about this at the grocery store. Cause I was listening at the grocery store like yesterday. Um, and that is dangerous because I stayed in the situation longer than I should have. And I feel at this point, let's see that I was 22 and I'm almost 30. It was like eight years later. I still am impacted by what happened in that relationship. And it's because I had hope that things would get better. And I, once I did finally break up with him, it was like, okay, well, once you get better, we'll get back together. And that hope kept me in the relationship longer than I needed to be. And then it like still kept me tied to the relationship even after it ended. So I understand that. And I think that that is an apt statement. Yeah. And I, I was just thinking too, like, I mean, it's so such a natural thing. I don't, it's almost like, I think Lenny in the book decided that it was just impossible to avoid hope. Um, because we just, we're just kind of wired that way. We want to assume that things are going to get better. And I would argue that at some point too, like you're in Alaska, you kind of have to expect I mean you like you're already giving such a leap of faith to live in a place that's so bleak and stark that I would say that you'd have to like have hope just to be like to survive too so definitely with winters like as described what would be the point if you didn't have hope like there'd be no point in living there you have to be hopeful for the spring yeah for sure. So I thought it was just kind of interesting that they were caught in that, the middle of that. Um, you mentioned, so I kind of want to go back to the theme, like it's called the great alone. Um, and you mentioned that you spend a lot of time alone. Um, and I think the the people that were attracted to Alaska were obviously, well, people who were healthy 
who were attracted to Alaska who ended up faring well, I think also are okay being alone because you have to be. Um, I think if you weren't okay being alone, you would leave. Mm -hmm. But I was also thought it was interesting because some of the, the reasons why they survived was actually because of the community that were there. They, they had to rely so heavily. Like they, even though they had to be okay being alone and being self-sufficient, they had to have that community too, because that's what really kept them alive that first year. Definitely. Especially um, in regards to Ernt, which also, have you ever heard of the name Ernt before? <laughs> I wondered if we talk about this. Yeah, Ernt, I've never <laughs> heard that name before. And I like the whole time I was like, just that's such an unfortunate name. I'm so sorry. I apologize. And his name is really Ernt. That's fine. It's a fine name, but it is definitely a little giggle worthy. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, when I listen to books, like, I don't know how things are actually spelled. So <laughs> it was only at like within the last 15 minutes, I Googled the book. I could see how it was spelled. So anyway. yeah, it's like E-R-N-T. Yeah. <laughs> there is a point in the book in which the neighbors come together and they've essentially threatened Ernt and yeah. uh, save Cora and Lenny. So that's definitely right. They needed each other. Um, they needed each other to survive to survive the winter practically, but also to survive um, it with, with a domestic violence situation. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you could argue too, like that, you know, Lenny was kind of, she didn't want to talk about the domestic abuse that was going on. And for good reasons, you know, she was worried that they wouldn't be able to, that it would just escalate it without solving it. And, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like she had to be alone in that, but really um, the best thing that could happen was when, they forced Ernt to leave every winter um, and work, I think, with the railroad or something like that, too. Um, yes. So that Lenny and Corey were by themselves in the wintertime. And um, he was because I guess it was the darkness that I'm not really familiar with PTSD, I guess. And I didn't really look at anything up for this episode. But apparently the the length, the shortening days and the lengthening nights um really messes with a lot of people and especially exacerbates PTSD. So, yeah, well, you know, seasonal affect depression is a real thing yeah. that's brought on by the change in the length of the day. Uh, it was also interesting that, well, one thing that we all know if we've read the book is that um, Large Marge moves in. I did write down at the beginning of the book when they meet her, Lenny says, this is a side note, but Lenny says she was old, at least 50. And I was like, what do you, at least 50? <laughs> what? I didn't, I just didn't get that. I wrote that down. That's funny. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, depression is, depression itself gets worse at that time. And another thing I thought when they told him what he was going to do and how he was going to go work and send the money back, I was like, and other military spouses will understand this. Well, it's like, it's that easy to get a job? <laughs> Maybe I need to move to Alaska. Yeah. But he ultimately loses the job. And they still right. survive. Yeah. I mean, it was just such an interesting... I think the other thing like that was interesting was the setting in the 1970s. Like, neither you nor I were alive then. Mm -hmm. And just, like, sort of thinking about the turmoil that was going on. Like, 
the book talks about Patty Hearst and I think it's the Symbionese Liberation Army. I'm not really sure if that's how they, I guess you listen to it. So maybe that's the, the SLA or whatever. And Patty Hearst was someone who was, she was kidnapped and then sort of brainwashed by the SLA. And like, I guess the SLA did all these crimes. They were like ultra left wing people that were like, I don't know. They justified all these criminal acts based on civil rights or something. I'm not really sure. Um, Hmm. But like that just seems crazy um, and really scary. And then also I know the tensions with Russia were ramping up. um, And then like, Nixon resigned in 74, which is when the book starts. Um, and then the Vietnam war ended up, I guess we essentially withdrew forces in 75. Um, and then there was a domestic energy crisis going on, like where gas prices were going through the roof. I think they mentioned that in the book a little bit. Um, it was just really interesting kind of thinking about the turmoil that was going on. Cause I kind of wondered like the paranoia that Ernst had, like, was it, like what was fueling it and what was he responding to? And I think you can have paranoia response to very little, but um, it was just interesting to think about not having lived through that time, how all of those events could be um, very scary and very prone to um, paranoia. Hmm. Quick question. Did you know all that stuff or you looked at that? I totally looked it up this morning because you were like, hey, have you, do you have all your questions? And I was like, yes. And then I had some time this morning. So I was like, I'm going to do this, some more stuff. Because I didn't know any of that. So yeah, I, I mean, when I was I reading the book, some of it happened, but yeah, you're right. When I was reading the book, I was like, what else? Yeah. So, hmm. um, and I was trying, I also was just trying to pin down the timeline of like the Vietnam War ending because I was, I couldn't mm-hmm. tell. It was hard to tell from the book. Cause he's a POW and then released and then he just comes home. Cause it sounds like from the book that he's been home for four years in 1974. So, but the war was still going on. He just got released. Cause I guess once you're a prisoner of war, you get to come home afterwards, which if, well, if you live, um, mm-hmm. so that's hmm. small consolation surprise, I guess. But, um, I haven't, I didn't really think about him being a prisoner, prisoner of war. I didn't like, I didn't really try to think about what that was like for him, but I'm sure that that would be enough to cause him to have the problems that he did have. Yeah. Once he was back. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it sounds like, I, I think from the book now, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was totally, he was gone for six years is what I understand it to be. So I don't know. It, and it sounded like he was captured pretty quickly so I don't know if he was in the prisoner of war camp for six years or not, but that's a long time. And I know that there was a lot of um, really horrible stuff that was going on. I mean, so like John McCain, who just died, he was a prisoner of war in Vietnam. Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of like the news and stuff has been reporting some of the things that he went through um, or just in general kind of really really sad sad stuff and it it was just like a really tumultuous time in our Mm -hmm. history yeah that's basically why i'm not watching the news right now because i don't really want to be sad (laughs) yeah i understand that but i do uh i was aware that john mccain had passed away r.i.p r.i.p yes um so let's talk a little bit about alaska because Alaska is almost like its own character in the book. I mean, it really has 
um, it takes on its own personality. What do you think drew people, I guess, what do you think draws people to Alaska in general? And do you feel drawn to Alaska after reading this book at all? That's an interesting question. One thing that makes it more, that makes Alaska interesting to me is that since my husband is a paratrooper, there are basically four uh, bases or posts that he could be stationed at. And one of them is Alaska. So I've known a few people that have been stationed at Alaska and they report that it's like a very strong sense of community, um, which I don't have here at Fort Bragg. So I have always been interested in Alaska and it's like very unknown. And I think that that's one of the reasons people are drawn to it. We have a sense of what it's like to live in so many places in the country, like the place, like California is a, seems like a cool place or Florida seems nice. Nobody cares about us. I, sh- I shouldn't say nobody cares about the Midwest, but no one care. <laughs> no one's like trying to get to the Midwest, um, which is where we're from. So yep. I think Alaska just seems other and that's why it's interesting. And I, it is fascinating to me that they, were able to survive as harsh as the winter sounded. I was kind of like, why would anyone want to live there? But also um, I admire their ability to adapt. And lastly, the other reason I have always been interested in Alaska is, I don't know, sometime elementary school, I learned that they have times where it's nighttime. There's some places in Alaska where it's like dark for months. And I was always so fascinated about it. Yeah. Fascinated by that. Do you think you like that? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. I, in the recent, well, so this is like, this is at least my second book where that's based in Alaska that I've read in like the last two years. And I don't know, I don't know if it's related to that or something else, but there's just been this kind of like, interest of mine to like go visit a place that is really cold during the winter like to go take a instead of like doing the opposite of like in January go to Florida or something like mm-hmm. in January go to like Sweden or in January go to Canada um, or Alaska or something just like really truly not like live there but for a week just like really feel like cold does that make sense <laughs> Yeah, it sounds anyway. really stupid, but I get it. <laughs> That's kind of how John feels about it. My husband, he feels <laughs> that way too. He's like, um, that doesn't sound very good. But I think, I guess it's also like the Northern Lights. You can only see the Northern Lights at nighttime. So if you go to those places that are very popular, like Alaska is very popular in the summertime um, because it's bearable. Um, but you, it's light so much that you don't, you aren't able to see the Northern Lights. And so I, that's always been a thing of mine. To see the Northern Lights, but I just think I, can, I don't know. I think I can appreciate. I of course seeing the Northern Lights sounds good, but I can also I feel like to go there in the winter is kind of to experience like the extreme of the season. I don't like to really really know how bad winter can be. I can see why that would be of interest, just to kind of like broaden your understanding of the world. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's like saying like I've if you go to Alaska in the wintertime, it's like I've been to Alaska. Like I know like you could really know what people are talking about when they say Alaska's cold or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was one point in the book 
was this? Yeah, I guess those are the books. It, okay, I'm about to give like no real description, but <laughs> there was some point where it was like, it wasn't that cold. It was just single digits. Am I making that up? I could be making that up. What else? No, I think you're right. About? There was like, it had warmed up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it was in reference to Matthew. It wasn't that cold. It was just single digits or yeah. just below freezing, I think it was. I'm like, okay. I live right. in North Carolina where people freak out when it's going to snow. We were shut. This base was shut down for like three days and I could still see the grass through the snow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. So that was a really funny, interesting statement. Kind of like the... She was old, at least 50 statement. Uh, and there was another statement in there. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, when they're talking about the, the scene after Ernt has been killed, hopefully mm. you know that as a listener. Yep. But uh, Marge says, your mom and dad have the same blood type. First of all, how does she know they have the same blood type? Yeah. Number two, she was like, and there's no other way to determine whose blood it is. <laughs> So I was like, is that like a heavy handed way of helping us to remember what the setting is? It did help me remember what the time was. I think it was kind of like also to the listener, like, but just wait for like 20 years when DNA technology comes yeah. through and then they reprocess everything and then you go to like jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just read Bad Blood by David Carreru and it's about a the um, Silicon Valley startup Theranos and how this company purported to be able to run all these blood tests off a drop of blood because the founder was just 22 years old. She dropped out of Stanford. So she came up with this idea of running all these blood tests off a drop of blood, but you can't mm. do that. Like, it, Right. It you need like work. a lot of quantity of blood to act. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't, but I was just looking it up on Goodreads as you were talking about it because I was curious. Yes, I read it last week, and it's amazing. Like, she raised $9 billion, and she the, the technology did not work. It's amazing. So she was just, like, basically lying to people? Yeah, I can't, I can't decide if she actually was just scamming people or if she really was like hoping that it would work or maybe she didn't understand the implications of it not working. Interesting. And it's like, but. it's like a, a nonfiction book. Yeah. Like it's true. It's a, it's essentially an expose. So that. Interesting. Listen okay. to that. Thank you for that recommendation. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about Cora? What about the, the mom? I mean, I think, I kind of a little bit was annoyed by her the entire time. Um, she felt weak to me, but I also know that's my bias and prejudice because um, never having like been in a domestic violence situation, I don't understand sort of the psychology of staying with someone who's abusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually thought about uh, Lenny saying that they were all sick and the type of love that they had was kind of like sick because mm -hmm. they needed each other and loved each other so much. But I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about it besides I get it. I can certainly understand, like I was saying previously, in my mind for my 
college boyfriend, I was thinking that this was temporary. Like, this is not Mm -hmm. really him. So he'll come out of it. And I think a lot of people may, if they don't feel like he'll get better, they feel like, well, this is not really him or it's not his fault. So I don't want to hold him accountable or her accountable Mm. for her behavior at this time. And I think that's what she was doing because she was in love with him. Was it from high school? They were together since high school. Right. So I got it, but she was stupid. But I mean, that's how domestic violence goes. They, that felt like that was pretty... Standard for the way that she responded to him and how she responded to being abused. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and what do you think about the relationship between Lenny and her mom? I mean, they Mm. were described it as peas in a pod. Um, Lenny describes Cora as her one truth or something. It just seemed like typical they're both people who are victims of a domestic violence situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Lenny was used to like following along her mom's bad decisions. Yeah. I mean, it kind of felt like, I mean, I think, I think early on in their relationship, I do think while Cora clearly made sacrifices for Lenny to a certain extent, I felt like Cora wasn't really rooting for Lenny. Like she didn't do as much as she could have to protect Lenny um, until it was really too late. And she's Lenny is like getting ready to go to college. She's trying to connect up with Matthew. Like, I feel like Cora was like just barely able to think about helping Lenny through that, that process. Yeah. I would agree with that because at the, I mean, I can I know she loved her, but at the same time she made her move around all the time. And she took her to Alaska, which I thought was just so selfish. Of course it turned out to be a good choice, but mm-hmm. she let, she didn't support her in her development as a person. Yeah, I mean so. right. So yeah, it's it is and it's difficult because I mean I don't want to like judge too harshly obviously this is a fictional book too because so i always think about the motivations behind these people but really they're just words on a page um i have to remind myself sometimes um but yeah i i guess i i do feel like um the writing was really on the wall whereas i think well lenny kind of did the opposite you know she her true nature was to go live in alaska and to be with matthew or whatever but she put her like she really did sacrifice all of that when she had her baby MJ. Um, you know what I mean? Like she was like, okay, like if I can co- can't contact Matthew anymore, I'm not going to because it could possibly hurt MJ. Like she really did put him front and center in that way. Um, that mm-hmm. I don't think her mom ever truly did. Um, yeah. No, I no, I don't think she did either. I, she tried to help but she certainly put her husband first yeah and I mean as a wife I can understand like putting your husband first but when he's harming everybody that he comes into contact with I'm not sure that that's yeah well I mean because the other thing too like so when Lenny and Matthew sort of pseudo escape for a while and then they get stuck um 
the book did, did they call it a crevasse or crevice in the book when they crevasse. got when they crevasse okay it's, it was spelled like crevice and so i wasn't sure if it was a different word than crevasse anyway because yeah it's one of the benefits of uh, audio books well because he was like you're gonna talk about this in front of people i think you need to pronounce it crevasse and i was like well <laughs> i thought that was spelled differently but apparently it's not it's crevasse um anyway so they fell into this crevasse the reason why it was confusing to me is because it wasn't winter time and so it was just like rocks it wasn't like a glacier with like mm. ice and so i thought there was a difference i was wrong I had um, to I had to like rewind that to figure out how they all of a sudden got into this dangerous nature situation. <laughs> well, I had to say like I had put down the book for like maybe a day because I read most of it over a weekend and then I put it down for like a day or so and then I was coming back um, and I like I was like getting like where I had to like get up and like eat something like I get up and like get all like, anxious because of this that whole period of time was a very stressful time in the book for me um Mm -hmm. but I guess um losing the train of thought oh when so they get hurt so Matthew and Lenny basically fall into this crevasse um and they end up being life-lighted to the hospital is where Matthew basically becomes like comatose for months um but Mm -hmm. Lenny she gets better in a couple weeks and then her mom basically said oh I called the police so Ernst in jail so we can go home now Lenny wanted to go like she wanted to like okay like we're running away permanently we're going to Seattle or something but then when they get back to the house Ernst is there so I couldn't tell if like was Cora lying or did she just not no, understand the law arrested, because but she did. didn't press charges right but she, she didn't press charges she didn't press charges yeah. So, but I guess I just wondered if that meant that she was lying to Lenny when she told him that it was safe to go, her that it was safe to go home because it was fine. Oh, yeah. I think she was lying to her. I mean, that just seems crazy. You hear you have somebody coming out of the ICU who is like barely, like, I mean, she's already in a state where she's not her healthy self, and then you bring her into that environment. I don't know. It's just crazy. Yeah, lots of bad decisions being made. But honestly, as a mom, where I am now, I kind of get it. Like, you just have so little left. (laughs) (laughs) Like, sometimes making decisions, it's just nothing left to make a good decision. Uh, Critical thinking is a resource, and I had used Mm -hmm. it all up. So maybe Cora just used, like, every (laughs) last ounce. Yeah. Of critical thinking skills she had. I don't know. Yeah. I think That's she was in a toxic place too. So she just made a bad choice. Yeah. Um, agreed. Which, I mean, kind of leads to the whole mistakes. There's a theme that they kept saying is that you w- can make one mistake in Alaska. The second will kill you. Yeah. Um, I think they all got a lot more than one mistake in there. But, um, Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, I wanted to comment on Geneva's death. How terrifying was that? You're in oh, the yeah. or you're walking with this somebody is and they just Yeah. That was just yeah. that was heart wrenching and then to see how it impacted him. Like yeah. that really that helped me understand that Alaska is not a joke. Um, right, yeah. Cuz she was like she was hardcore, lived there her whole life or whatever. 
she knew what to expect but then all of a sudden she made one wrong mistake one wrong step and then she's under the ice and gone Mm -hmm. and it makes you i mean because you could like i mean matthew should not have gone after lenny the way he did when she they fell into the crevasse but it made you kind of maybe appreciate what he was thinking he's like you know kind of like um on the little mermaid he says i lost her once i'm not gonna lose her again um but that kind of a kind of mentality is like oh i'm not gonna have the same mistake happen to me i'm gonna go after her i can still see her she's still alive but i don't know now um were you like me waiting for matthew to get shot by Ernst like the whole time oh yeah i was like he's gonna die he's gonna die right now he's gonna get shot like it's out yeah i so I so but I will say my mom has read this book before and when I told her this was the topic of our podcast she was like oh that's such a great book so I knew that the ending couldn't be too sad because she doesn't really would not have, she would not say that about like a really really sad depressing book so I knew there had to be some happy ending but I but I could envision a happy ending ish um, if Matthew were to get shot and I was like oh man so the whole time um, yeah I was definitely just like on pins and needles. <laughs> yeah. I was, I just knew that, um, what's his name was going to shoot him after his boots were found in the house. Or yes. I, I thought that he was going to shoot him then. Yeah. And then when he was getting away in the boat, I just like, I just knew he was gonna get shot. I felt like they were setting me up for that. With yeah. Ernst building the wall and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of those things that I was like, you know, when you're in love, that first love, you do some really stupid stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really. That was dumb. She yeah. could have done so many other things. And then her mom's like, don't make, don't do anything stupid. And I was like, I already know how this is going to go. I did not mm-hmm. expect Lenny to be pregnant, though. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I wasn't either. And I think. Part of that was because of the they, the way they kind of referenced the um, the sex act was like they loved each other or something like that, you know. So it was like, it, I mean, I, I don't know. It was just kind of a euphemism, I guess. That night in the tent when they were escaping from Ernt, um, and they were camping or whatever. Because I, I guess I didn't. Well, you know, that was part of the accident in the in the crevasse so no wonder I was a little bit confused because I didn't even realize they had had sex at that time teenagers Mm -hmm. I guess they don't have access to condoms like we do (laughs) yeah um well it was the 70s so you know yeah women barely had any rights at all (laughs) although I was looking (laughs) up that too because they were talking about how like in the beginning of the book um, Cora tries to apply for a credit card and um, they won't give her one because her husband or her father have to co-sign on it. Yeah. And it was 1974 when the credit act or whatever that allowed people to, um, yeah, that made it so that race, sex, something else, basically you couldn't use those as um, reasons not to give somebody credit. So it was That's I'm like wow. crazy. I didn't, first of all, I definitely didn't know that what you just said was a thing, but I was, I was thinking about that. Like you, like just the idea that 
you need a man to prove mm-hmm. what? That, that yeah. was bewildering Just, to me. Plus, yeah. I have so many credit cards. I definitely got a credit card from Priceline because they said they'd <laughs> give me $100 off. But yep. I also have excellent credit listeners, so don't worry. I don't <laughs> overuse my credit cards. I just use them and pay them immediately. But if I had to get my dad to or my husband to allow me to get a credit card, that would just be insane. Like, we're not yeah. full humans. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I'm glad that... I'm glad we've evolved. We still have a way to go, but we've come a long way. We talked about women not getting justice in terms of domestic violence, people who who are self-defense um, for domestic violence crimes. Um, do you feel like that is true today? Do you feel like Lenny or Cora should have been prosecuted for basically murdering Ernst and hiding the body? Oh, of course. Well, no, I certainly don't think they should have been prosecuted. Um, I will quickly say at that point, I almost texted you like Lenny is such an idiot. Why would she <laughs> sit and write her confession? Oh, my I God. I was like, yeah. And I then I think at some point somebody in the story said, don't you watch TV or something. But I know. then I have to remember again, this was the 80s. So every other they they didn't have true crime podcasts to listen to they weren't listening to serial and all that but um I was pretty aggravated by that and then I was glad that she got off I was like was that realistic or not um this certainly made me think immediately of Centoya Brown are you familiar with that case I'm not familiar with the full case but the name is familiar though okay so let me do a bad job of catching you up to speed But Centoya was, I think she was being sex trafficked and she, I guess, uh, turned a trick and she became afraid that the person that she had slept with was going to kill her. So she killed him and she was sentenced to life in prison Mm. at age 16. Wow. So that's immediately what it made me think of. And just thinking about like how she must have felt in that moment and what it must be like for a prosecutor to still like prosecute somebody who was afraid for their life. But then you're also Mm kind of like, I mean, if he didn't try to kill you, I mean, she doesn't know if he did, but if he was trying to kill her, it was going to be too late. He was going to kill her. Same in this situation. If um, Cora was afraid for her life, like for her Mm -hmm. to wait to have more proof, she would have been dead. Yeah. What would you have done in their shoes in terms of like, okay, the gun has gone off. You've killed somebody, you know, in this case, the abuser. Would you, do you think you would have gone to the police or what would, what do you think you would have done? (laughs) This immediately makes me think of when I watched the bachelorette and I'm like so critical of the choices they make. Mm -hmm. And then after realized I would never be on the show. So (laughs) it's really hard to say what I would do because I wouldn't be in that situation. Let me think. Let me pretend that I let things get out of control. Um, I guess if I were Cora, I would have just gone to the police and left Lenny out of it. Um, Mm. Just turned yourself in and like taken the blow for it, but leave Lenny out. Yeah, but I can see, well, you know, in the story, it's, Cora essentially gives Lenny an opportunity to choose, pick your 
pick your ending or whatever. <laughs> she like, okay, what do you want to happen? I don't think that that was fair. I don't think she had the right, of, I don't think she had enough time or she was in the mm-hmm. right state of mind to choose what she wanted to happen the rest of her life. Right. Um, so I, it was just a bad situation. Um, I don't know. I guess I think they did the best they could have done. Cause yeah. Otherwise. I mean, I, I don't think Lenny really understood the implication of, um, going missing. You know, I don't think she really, I thought she, I think she thought she could go to college in Anchorage as a missing person kind of a thing. I thought she, I thought she didn't truly understand what large Marge and her mom were trying to do with the cover up. Now the cover up when they went and put the body in the, like the lake or whatever, I thought, I mean, I guess I didn't, there is the thing about, you know, where's your husband and where's like the crime scene is just evident. You can't exactly get rid of that. But I guess I kind of felt like it wouldn't have been, crazy to just like leave the body outside and let like some animal mutilate it Mm -hmm. um sorry for the image that might have given you guys as listeners but um I guess I just felt like that like the I when they start when they put the traps on the body to sink the body down into the water I was like so frustrated because I was like okay now you are making it look like humans did this right whereas I thought that what they were going to do was plant the body out on one of his trapping lines as if he had gotten caught in his trap and then let mm-hmm. like animals mutilate the body. And then eventually like in spring they'd find like a leg or something and realize, Oh, he got caught while he was trapping. I thought that um, briefly, but I was like, I mean, but also if he had two gunshots in his back, yeah, I don't that's know fair. how they would explain that. Uh, but it was the 70s, so it was a different time. Maybe they wouldn't have done the forensics on that. I was really interested in the salmon run. I don't know what they called it. Breakout? The pinks. The, yes. The, the pinks, pinks were running? I love salmon. So I'm like, that, I, was re- I enjoyed the imagery from mm-hmm. uh, those, that conversation. I felt like, yeah, I mean, I think the imagery overall was really, really cool and made Alaska seem really beautiful. Um, Yeah, and something like thinking about the pinks running and we're all trying to capture. I mean, just like the idea of that summertime being this time where everybody has to like do all the business of living so that you can just survive the winter was really, I felt like a lot of imagery about that was really, really cool. What would you think about um, the him building the wall? That really made me feel like he was going crazy for real. Yeah. No, I think that was like the turning point for me being like, okay, like this is no longer like, yeah. Some, some To me, something flipped a switch. And I think it may, I don't know if it flipped when like Matterall died or if it flipped when they decided to um, like modernize the town a little bit. I think that's what it was. I mean, also he lost his, he had lost his job right before then too. And that was when, like, that was going to become, that summer they realized that that was the first winter that he was going to live there for the entire winter again and just like get worse. Um, Because in the past summers, 
I thought it was kind of interesting. It's almost like an abusive relationship cycle where you have like maybe a honeymoon period and then it goes back down into abusive. It's like the cycle of summer and winter in Alaska where it's like in the summer he was still abusive, but they were able to have more positive times. And then the winter um, was sort of when he got down and out. But that summer he was like the craziest he'd ever been. It was my, but I kind of felt like there were a few telltales even before he went to the war that he was not, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say, I don't know. Cause like one point, um, I was a little bit rereading like the first chapter this morning and like when she goes to her mom, when Cora goes to her mom for help because they're going to Alaska. So she asked her for money and her mom is like, um, cause she's like, Oh, well, you've never liked earned or whatever and your mom's like well he turned you know he turned you against us he turned you against all your friends you like all these things like to me like those are red flags of somebody Mm -hmm. who's a control like a controller who um doesn't allow like other people in your life um Mm -hmm. and so I kind of just like in the back of my mind the whole book I was kind of like skeptical of like yes PTSD is a real thing and yes it exacerbates like this mental health like I mean I think it's real obviously but I wondered if they're like they didn't really talk about a lot of before um and like Lenny can't remember before so it almost makes me think like well was he did he always have these tendencies um was he you know anyway kind of I just I guess I kind of thought about that a little bit well you know what just as you say that and the description you gave reminded me of something. So I said that my college boyfriend became emotionally abusive as he started to struggle with mental, his mental mm-hmm. health. But I remember distinctly one of my best friends when I was in college saying that when you're with him, you shut people out. Mm. And so as you just said that, that did kind of like show me that maybe his behavior was always, he always had a propensity to be like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How did it strike you, Cora's death at the end? Oh, from cancer? I felt, yeah, I felt like, okay, that, I guess it, we can't have a completely happy ending. Yeah. Um, so, I understood that. Um, but I was surprised. I didn't see that coming at all. I guess I thought they would just, like, grow up. And then, what was your response to or what are your thoughts about uh Matthew at the end yeah so I okay so I think the end I felt like was a little bit too all wrapped up in a bow um to be honest like she goes she confesses she writes a detailed report of her crime for like was stupid I know I was like you're an idiot um didn't he watch she, Naked a Murderer? <laughs> I know. It's like, come on. Um, And then she gets off because Mr. Walker knows the governor or whatever. And then they go and like Matthew is sort of, yeah, he has some disabilities, but he's able to walk around and skip rocks. I mean, that, I don't know. It did kind of, it kind of, I mean, I was glad like we needed a happy ending because of the book was just so terrible. Like it was so dark, yeah. a lot of it. So I'm glad we had a happy ending. I mean, I hate to say it. I kind of felt like Cora's death. It wasn't a happy ending, but it felt like, it felt fine to me that Lenny and Cora were going to be separated after 
it felt like Cora had been so influential in her her struggles I don't know maybe I maybe I have yes. too much I felt that she had to be out of the picture for Lenny to have her own happy ending her own happily ever after I agree I appreciate it I was glad that the little boy like accepted Matthew so easily that made me yeah. feel good it made me feel good it, it felt a little a little Fake. hard to believe because like I think that would be really, I mean, I've seen when I was a kid and there are people who are different in that way, that was terrifying for me, but maybe, but I think it was good. I mean, I think she did a good job saying like, Hey, your dad, his brain is broken. Um, he loves you, but he can't talk to you. I mean, that was like, I thought, I thought she did a really good job being upfront and honest with her son about that mm-hmm. to what she knew it was existence. I was, I felt kind of heartbroken that he, sustain that injury just that, in ge- like that he yeah, got that hurt he, that that happened to him yeah I yeah then uh go to college like that would have been a good I ending know. but there were like there was like three hours left <laughs> at that point so I'm like they're probably not just gonna go to college and live happily ever after yeah yeah I had a lot of hope for them to be able to do that to go to college that would have been a really good solution I'm um, glad she did go to college. And it was interesting that she uh, ended up in a magazine. Can you imagine having to go by a different name? I couldn't imagine I giving just, up my identity. Yeah, I can't either. But, I mean, I had to change my name when I got married. So, <laughs> some feminist conversation for you. That's true. That was really hard for me, actually. And it, I remember one time I, I had been married maybe six months. And I saw my name on a prescription bottle and I was like who is that I was like oh it's me <laughs> I gave up my last name yeah but oh Alieska I thought was a very interesting name yeah like that was a uh, is that how they pronounced like it I've heard that before yes Alieska Alieska because I um because I think there's a part in the book where they talk about the history of Alaska and how they bought it from Russia and one of the mountains was named Alieska so I think it was like a, an Alaskan um, landmark. Isn't um, Matthew Jr.'s like middle name like Denali or something like that? Yes. I think it was a family thing in the Walker family to name their children after Alaskan like landmarks. Landmarks. Hmm. It kind of, it, anyway, it seemed like to me, it seemed like she was carrying on the tradition of her father, of his, of the boy's father. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm glad that I'm glad they got back together. It was a bleak story when you really think yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I was worried about it being a little too bleak, but um but definitely very interesting. It was interesting. That's and that's what I appreciate about books. I feel like I've learned so much about other people's lives, even though most of the people don't exist for real. So that's somebody's life in some part or parts of it make up multiple people's lives. So I can appreciate that. want to um, leave our listeners with a few recommendations. Um, this is kind of the part of the show where we talk about um, sort of what's bringing us joy lately and 
Brianna, do you want to start with recommendations or do you want me to? Have you seen on Netflix Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee by Jerry Seinfeld? I have seen that one. That's a good one. That is making me very happy. It's a delightful show. And I just really enjoy it. My husband and I have been watching it. He started watching it and then he told me I wouldn't like it. And once I finally saw it, I was like super mad. I'm like, why would you (laughs) keep this from me? Like, what kind of relationship are we in? What kind of lie is this? So I really enjoyed that. That's a good one. And I also like a show on there called Atypical, which is about a family uh, going through change. Season It's on season two now. But the uh, one of the members of the family is on the spectrum. So it's interesting to learn about him and the autism and how the family adapts to that. And then also, oh, okay, just, I think I have seen the preview for that one. Yeah, seeing people with autism living their lives because they can. So I like that we're, I like that people, we're less precious about people's people's disabilities like people can still live and yeah. I'm glad that the show is helping me to feel a little bit more familiar with that sort of with that that life story I did also listen to a podcast called Jesus and Jalaf like Jalaf Rice and it's by two Nigerian girls and like I said I am Nigerian so it kind of taught me about my culture so for all of you Nigerians out there, <laughs> Jesus and Jalof. Jesus and Jalof. How do you spell Jalof? Mm-hmm. J-O-L-L-O-F. Okay. All right. What's um, making you happy, Catherine? Yes. So I'm going to recommend a podcast um, called Lazy Genius Podcast and um, specifically two episodes. So the Lazy Genius Podcast, it's basically one woman show the podcasts that I listen to have been not much longer than 20 25 minutes long and it's just kind of her thoughts um on a topic and how she kind of like poses it as like a life hack like how she's hacking her life like lazy genius um the podcast the episodes specifically that I'm I'm recommending are um number 72 which is the lazy genius hosts a book swap and um, that just sounds like really interesting to me for anyone who I have not done a book swap, but it has inspired me to think more about maybe getting my book club to do a book swap, um, or just kind of a different way to bring people into my life and community, um, that is kind of like having a party, but I think it's just such a low barrier. You don't have to do anything. People just bring books and they kind of, um, come hang out and connect. So that's something that is inspiring me. Then the other episode is number 74, which is the lazy genius takes a creative leap. And she talks about um, people who like herself, cause she's getting ready to write a book, I guess. Um, people who have had a creative idea for whatever it is, creating something, whether it's a podcast or a blog or uh, maybe starting a business and, um, but have been afraid to take that leap. And she talks about what she's done to make that creative leap. So I thought it was really kind of um, relevant to this, podcast since that's kind of what I have done um and um I want to shout out too to people who have helped me um start this podcast including Brianna who's on the show um helping me kind of think through all the technical details and um things and also like my little sister Hannah she's I was texting her all these book book, um 
these podcast title ideas. And she was kind of helping me um, come think through how it might be perceived. And she's been a real help and just everyone who's been helping me take that creative leap. So that's what I'm recommending this week. Very good. I'm definitely going to check that out. All right. That's our show. And thank you for listening. You can follow Brianna on Instagram at BriBoo88. That's B-R-I-B-U-88. You can also reach out to me on Instagram at InfinitelyBeforeABook, or you can email me at InfinitelyBeforeABook at gmail.com. Reach out to me and let me know what your reaction was to the book. If you're interested in having your own voice on the podcast, use your phone's voice memo app to record your comments and then email the recording file to me. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend. I'm excited to announce our October read. Next month's book will be Still Life by Louise Penny. You can expect the next full episode to air on the third Thursday of October. In the meantime, happy reading.